What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions expressed are those of your host and our guest. Today, we sit down with Greg Morales. He's a fire captain with the city of Phoenix, and we talk about his work on the job. We talk about the bomberos, and we talk about the fact that he used to be a garbage man, and so much more. Please enjoy. First of all, man, thank you for sitting down and, and doing this with me. I, I love chatting with you and I love talking about stuff. And I, w- I want to talk about Bomberos and, and the stuff that you're working on with, you know, recruitment and, and the would-be firefighters yeah. in our in neck of the woods. And um, and so, you know, it, before we talk about that, though, let's talk a little bit about uh, about Greg Morales and, and GMO and, and what your journey's been like and, and how you got here. All right. Um, you know what? Born and raised here in Phoenix, you know, homegrown, uh, grew up. I feel like there's not so many locals anymore. Oh, there's not, man. It's crazy. But, yeah, I was born here, um, Memorial Hospital. We grew up on the west side. I grew up uh, right down the street from Station 24, right off of 41st Avenue there, and uh, right in Maryville. And just grew up there. Just My brother still owns that house that we grew up in, you know, recently moved my mom in with me, but... You know, still, still in the neighborhood a lot. Uh, still got family. All my family's here. You know, so born and raised. Went to Carl Hayden High School. Okay. Graduated in '94. You know, 46 years old. Married my wife Maria. I got three kids. My oldest is uh, 21. Uh, Gregory Jr. He's a mailman with the post office. Nice. Doing good. Uh, my younger boy is Isaiah, 19. He's on the he's on the job. He's in the academy right now. Oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. They're finishing up week 13. So, um, and then my daughter's 14. She goes to uh, John Paul II, a Catholic high school out there in Goodyear. So, kids are getting big. Uh, I live out in Avondale. I moved out to Avondale. Nice. So, right off the 101 there, and so just west of Phoenix. Nice. So I'm just here, man. I'm born and raised. I'm a, you know, what do they call us? I'm a desert rat, you know, born and raised here. <laughs> what, yeah. uh, do you guys travel? Do you guys get out and go, do you guys travel a lot, your wife and you guys? Do you guys get out? We try to. You know what? Just, I wish we did more of it, you know, but, you know, we work and kids and my daughter plays club volleyball. So if we travel now, it's like with the club team, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. We just got back from Chicago over Easter weekend. So we ain't never been Wait, what'd Chicago. you say she plays? Club volleyball. Volleyball. Yeah, she's a volleyball nice. player. Yeah, so. She got your height? Uh, She's getting a little tall. She's only 14, <laughs> but she's getting she's getting tall, and she's good. She loves playing, so that that keeps us busy, you know. Yeah. Keeps me working overtime so I can pay for this club <laughs> team. And, well, the reason I asked, I was curious if there's, like, you know, you say you're desert rat. I'm wondering if there's any place you'd say to yourself, like, yeah, if I, if I wasn't here, I would be, this is my dream location. Where would you go? Man, you know what? <laughs> I'm still just local, man. If I was going to move anywhere, it'd probably just be up north. But and even even that, I don't see myself leaving. Like North Phoenix. Valley or like? <laughs> no, like up north, like Flag. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Pine I'm Top. Just, I'm just teasing. But even that, I would think, I think I'd still want to be here and maybe spend some time up, up north, like maybe get in a cabin or something. Yeah. And I, I talk to her sometimes and I'm like, I think I could do the downtown thing, you know, like maybe downsize and. Live get downtown. Yeah, get in the park, ride our bikes around and yeah. hit the little spots around downtown and just So I got a uh one of our folks that uh one of our dispatchers lives right next to the stadium. And she's been there for about I think she said six months and she's like, Oh, it's been really nice. The D back stadium? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. She goes, It's been really nice until the baseball season. And yeah. all of a sudden, you hit a home run, and she's like, I was laying down to go to bed, and all of a sudden, freaking fireworks are going off, like, right next door. And I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You got to live that, that party life downtown. <laughs> That's like buying a house next to the uh, airport or Manzanita. You know, right, Manzanita. right. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 The race cars, you, got, you knew yeah. what you're getting into when you bought, you know. So. Yeah. No, I used to love, so when I worked at 39s, um, mm-hmm. you could, you'd hear them in the evening. <laughs> that was really cool. We went over there a couple times for, well, obviously for some wrecks. Yeah, yeah. But just to, just to watch them turn dirt a couple times yeah. and go over there was great. My nana thought that I used to live right down the street. Is that right? We would sit in the backyard and eat pomegranates and listen to the cars go by and watch the planes go over. Is that where you got your, your love for where you became a motorhead? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I love cars, though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into cars, so probably. 
but that those cars are fast. I'm a low rider. Range. You like slow cars, uh, slow and low, low and slow. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. I saw a video this morning. This guy's uh, bumping his car, jumping it, yeah. and the freaking wheel fell off. Oh. <laughs> As I thought of you. <laughs> yeah. I'm more old school than that. I'm into bombs. Yeah, you know what they call bomb is. Tell me what that is. I don't even know what that so is. So bomb is is basically uh like pre fifty three. Okay. An older fifty three and older was would consider a bomb. So like your old I have a thirty eight Chevy. That's so cool. Like man. Al Capone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Doors open is it, up. Okay, so so I don't know I don't know anything about classic cars, so you're gonna have to educate me a little bit. Um is it is it a challenge to find parts when you're working on stuff? I would think it would be hard, but you know what? It's not not too much, man. I mean, there's a lot of parts out there. People, there's a uh, companies out there that, stuff that, that repop, you know, parts, yeah, okay. and you can find original parts still, you know. But you know, now the prices are going up, and mm. you know, for the old cars. And then I like anything old, man. If you got an old car and you take care of it and it, mm. you show some pride in it, like I like it. I'm a Chevy guy, but I don't mind somebody that's got a nice Ford or Buick. You just or, appreciate the work, the artwork that goes yeah, into it. Yeah. Yeah, it is true, man. I think about the so I love the idea of a classic car, mm-hmm. um, but then when I when it comes to like, and this is the the reason this is a problem for me is because I've always been so damn broke as a joke, right? Like it's always oh, like yeah. it's my only car, and I'm like, okay, I want to do an engine swap, but I got to do it oh, over the weekend. Yeah. Oh, I know what you feel. <laughs> I feel you, man, because I've had this car and I just barely got it on the road, and it's not even done. I don't got no paint. I still need interior, but yeah. you know, I drive it around here and there. We just had our little car show. Did you hear about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. How was it? It was good. We had a good turnout, man. Nice. A lot of cars, a good mix of cars, some hot rods, low riders, customs. The bug guys came out. Nice. The C ten <laughs> truck guys came out. Are they out. like kinda like a special class of the bug guys? Like we don't they don't get so much respect. They're they're hippies, you know what I mean? But I like them. <laughs> I like to hang out with them. <laughs> uh it's funny. So my uh the only time I ever really worked on cars was I had bugs, and oh, I, that's yeah. why I make fun. I'm kind of laughing about that because I had a couple of bugs. I was my first uh, engine rebuild was a uh, 1970 Super Beetle, oh. and uh, pulled it out, bench the bench the motor, redid the whole thing. It was awesome. Nice. And uh, it, it, and what I loved about it was, and and this is on all seriousness, was when I was done with it and I put it back together, it wasn't like a super clean bug it was just a stupid bug right yeah but i i did that yeah you i rebuilt that motor and it ran <laughs> fantastic and i was like man there's so much pride and ownership oh, yeah. having done that it was yeah. really cool that my we just bought my mama 70 bug yeah yeah it was on her bucket list nice she's like i want i always wanted a volkswagen bug i'm like seriously <laughs> like all right so we went out i went out and found her one that's clean little a, bug out that's cool they're feet. so fun to drive yeah man. they are yeah. I drive it all the time. I probably drive it more than she does. Yeah, because I like. And I'm I'm thinking about getting one myself. Because oh, you got the little bug, I, yeah, the, the, the bug, bug. bug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so stupid. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. That's I. You know, I've thought about that too because I I do enjoy. Uh, I enjoy wrenching on vehicles when it's not an emergency, right? Like, oh man, it broke down. I got to fix it by Monday or yeah. I can't get my butt to work. Yeah. Um, and that's how I always was for a long time. That was kind of how I was living. And, uh, so one of these days I'll probably get back into it when yeah. I, you know, Retire. when I feel it, <laughs> I ain't feeling it right now, but yeah, one of the, I got too many hobbies as it is yeah. right now. That's what I want to do when I retire. Just yeah. Mess with cars. And- yeah. Well, that's great. So, okay, so retire, retire from what? So you, uh, so tell, let's talk about how you got on the job and, and kind of, you know, what you got into, how you got here. Uh, let's see. I got hired in 2006 and I tested for about five years. Really? So not right after high school, not too long after high school, after doing nothing, I, I got on with the city. And uh, Doing what? When I first got hired with the city... I got hired with the Graffiti Busters. Okay. Yeah. So that was a cool job. I had a real good uh, supervisor, and uh, he basically gave me a chance because I was kind of a knucklehead, you know, growing up. And Aren't we all coming yeah. out of high school? Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I said, before high school, I wasn't doing anything, man. I was getting in trouble. I was doing nothing and um, got a temp position with, with the city for the Graffiti Busters. Yeah. And that was perfect because I knew where all the graffiti was. <laughs> yeah, local kid. That's how. Yeah. That's what they do. It's hard with local all, boys. I'd go to all the other neighborhoods and cover theirs up and leave my neighborhood alone. <laughs> what? Um, 
Well, it's okay. So you're coming out of high school. How did you find yourself? Like, how'd you find that job? Uh, I don't remember how I came about it, but it was, I might've even been through a temp service, but it was like me and my, my cousin and uh, a couple buddies and even my brother at one time, we were working through this temp agency and, and I just liked it. You know, it was, it was fun. I was, you know, working for the city. I felt, even though I was a temp, I felt like I was uh, working for the city, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of crazy. I th- you think back, you know, where I grew up in Maryville, I grew up, you know, I graduated in 94. So, you know, the early 90s, it was rough. You know what I mean? It was a lot of gangs, a lot of drugs and just not much going on. And there was, there was a feeling out there in my neighborhood and I'm sure a lot of my generation in that time in the west side and the south side if you got on with the city it was like you made it mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. i mean and uh and that's kind of how i felt and so i enjoyed going to work i think i was doing a good job because at one point the supervisor pulled me in his name was lewis pete he worked for the city for a long time and uh he pulled me in and he goes you like it here i said yeah mr pete i, I like working here and he goes he goes i've been watching you he goes you you do a good job and this and that he goes i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a chance if you want to stay working he goes but uh, i'm just letting you know everybody i'm letting all your buddies go <laughs> so <laughs> they let all my my friends go and my brother and everybody else because it was all temps right and he kept me on and that was kind of like my start he gave me a shot you know yeah and i appreciated that and yeah. i worked with the graffiti busters for, for a few years and then i ended up getting on part-time with um Human services. Okay. Yeah. Fire is actually my sixth department within is the that city right? that I work for. Yeah. I, I jumped around. And Mr. Pete gave me my chance uh, as a temp with uh, neighborhood services and the graffiti oh. busters. Then I went to human services as a part-time guy. Yeah. Well, what, let me ask you this. This is Because I see, what did you learn from that? When you look back on that and you look back on what he said, because I feel like there's a sense of pride that you have with that relationship. Yeah. What did you take away from that? You know what? It's just there was a time I there was a time in my life where I really didn't think I was gonna do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I was grew up kind of rough. You know, my I had an older brother. You know, there was my cousins and just my neighborhood people. That I, there was gangs and you know just trouble. And I was involved in a lot of that stuff. You know, what I mean, growing up, just trying to find myself. You know, yeah. And um, when you when you feel like your only options are is and at one point my options were you know i'm either going to go to the military and if i don't do something drastic like join the military or i'll end up in prison mm. or dead because a lot of people around me were were doing that right. you know and and it was it was real it was happening you know yeah. i lost a lot of friends in, the, in that time to the streets and um a lot of people that i grew up with were ending up in prison and getting shot around me and stuff like that. And I was just at one point, I was like, I can't do this no more. I took the ASVAD test for the army because I, I was like, what am I going to do? I'm tired. I'm getting tired of this. You know what yeah. I mean? I was like 17, 18 years old yeah. trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do. Everything around me was kind of going wrong. And I ended up with that part-time job. And when Mr. Pete gave me that chance, it was like, maybe I can do something, you know? And like I said, it would, I, I felt like if you got on with the city, you made it. And that was my chance. That was my out, yeah. you know, to to hopefully try to make something of myself. It was a, and it was like guys from the neighborhood and stuff like that. Oh, you got you got on with the city, like keep that job. It yeah. was almost like some security in that. Some security, yeah. You know, and it was my reason. It was my out to be like I can't go hang out. Yeah. I got to go to work. I yeah. got a job with the city. It's a, I mean? it's really impressive that you recognize that because yeah. I think a lot of young. A lot of young folks don't necessarily appreciate when somebody mentors them like that and then says, hey, you could do this and see this path. So that's amazing. Uh, And it's a great, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it obviously puts you, puts your track, puts your wheels right on the rails, right? And sets you in the right direction. So you went to, so you said you got into some other sections of the city. Yeah. So after that, I, um, like the city was it for me. I, I, I saw myself. Retiring as a city employee, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so I got on part-time with human services, to, like a labor for the senior centers. And then my mom had a good friend 
that she went to high school that was a foreman in the water department. And uh, she talked to him, told her that I kind of got my foot in the door. And he said, hey, tell him to get on this list and I'll I'll pull his name for an interview. So I did and I ended up getting hired full time with the water department. Nice. So I was in the hole, man. I was digging ditches, replacing <laughs> broken water lines and hydrants. And it was it was hard work, you know yeah, what I mean? But I was yeah. working around heavy equipment. But with the water department, I got my CDL. You know, the city paid for me to get my CDL. So now I'm now I'm operating heavy equipment and driving a big truck, you know, yeah. and it was like full time city employee. So I'm like now I'm really like, ah, I made it. It's real work, <laughs> yeah, bro. it's like... real work, you know. <laughs> and all at the same time, you know, I I, I went to high school with my wife and we were kinda high school sweethearts and we kinda disconnected and then got back together. So I was on with the city and um She's waiting for you to get that full time job. Yeah, man. She's like, I'm tired of paying for you. <laughs> I wanted her to take me to the movies, and I had no money. Right. <laughs> but her dad was a city employee. You know what I mean? I had some other family that were city employees, and that was, you know, that was the thing if you were a city employee. So yeah, um, got on with water full time, and we got back together, and you know, and I think I got back. I got on with water in '98. You know, and we ended up getting married in '98. Nice. Yeah. So you know. The city kind of solidified, you know, I, I needed to be a man. You know what I mean? I needed to walk away from all the stuff that I was doing. And, you know, I found somebody that, you know, supported me and helped me to, you know, um, kind of get my life on track. And, you know, we had a, we still do have a deep faith. You know what I mean? Her family was really, uh, had that faith and something that I leaned on to. You know what I mean? I just found, I found a good person that supported me and I, I found a job that I felt like this is where I was going to be and what I was going to do, you know? And yeah. so then from there, I just kind of kept working and my goal was to promote, do a good job, work hard, you know what I mean? And promote to make more money. Cause you know, I had my first kid in 2001, my son was born and you know, and mm -hmm. well, I, we actually lost our first son in 2000, but, um, my, my, my next son was born in 2001, so I started a family, you know, and I was like, "Yeah, things got, start getting real." Yeah, got real, Poor, man. Real serious, got, right you then, know, yeah. Bought a house, you know. Mm -hmm. We got, we bought a house right before we got married, so we moved out to Glendale, and then ended up coming back to Avondale and had a house built. And life, man, you know. In 2000, in 01. Was oh, it 2001. Okay. I say we 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 had our second kiddo in 2000, and we built a house in Avondale. Oh, really? We live on the west side too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, "Jeez, yeah. we're in the same neighborhood." Yeah. <laughs> but there was a lot of building going on in those in the oh, yeah. early aughts. Yeah. We lived out in Glendale, and then we we decided to move back closer to um, the family. Her mom and dad moved out of the neighborhood because we were from the same neighborhood, mm. and her mom and dad moved up by Garden Lakes area. Oh, yeah. In Avondale, because. So we're like, yeah, we look in that area. We so we found a house out yeah, there, and close to deal. family and all. My first son came, and you know, we just kind of set our roots out there. I'm still yeah, out there. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, so you're in the water department. You're digging ditches, driving big trucks. And what turned you? I mean, was there anything between that and the fire department? Yeah. So I was driving. I was working for the water department. Um, one of um, my wife's good friends, my their. Her boyfriend at the time was working, just got on with sanitation. Hmm. And so we, I met him and we, we, you know, got close, you know, and, uh, they baptized uh, one of my, my kids. So we're compadres, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, he got, he was, got me into the sanitation. So I was driving a garbage truck. So from water, water department, I went to streets department and I was, I got a promotion to streets and I was doing some compaction testing. And then from streets, I got on with garbage. Okay. And I was a G-man. I was driving a garbage truck, man. <laughs> and that was like, it, within the city, it was like, oh, yeah, you're a garbage man? <laughs> you know? That was like right underneath. Yeah. That's to a be big, my yeah. eyes, it was like right underneath. Yeah. You know, PD fire, you were up there, you know? But, and then, so he was test. he started testing for the fire department. And then I had another couple of, of friends that I worked with the city that were, starting to test and stuff so that's where that kind of idea got dropped on me for the fire department because honestly brother i never even it never even dawned on me right. never considered the fire department i grew up right across the street from station 24 and i literally have no memory of the fire <laughs> truck pulling out the station it just i didn't 
pay no mind. It was it yeah. wasn't on my radar. You know what I mean? Right. It was just part of the fabric of the neighborhood. Not yeah. a thing. Yeah. The neighborhood was more. I was focused more on the neighborhood and my my partners and my homies in the neighborhood and right. you know hanging out and I I don't have any memory. You know how some people are like, oh, I wanted to be a firefighter when I was oh, little. Oh, yeah. Every time the truck went by, woo. Yeah. <laughs> and I was almost 30 years old before it even dawned on me that, uh, you know, that I could even become a firefighter. Yeah. So you started, so you so you had somebody else who was testing, and mm-hmm. they turned to you and like, you should be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, they actually, you know, invited me. Say, hey, we're, we're, we're oh. going to go t- test for the fire department. I was like, for real? He's like, yeah. That's like, a yeah. job? <laughs> yeah. Like, we could do that? Yeah. And uh, so I was like, all right. And so I went. And I applied and took the test and didn't go very well. <laughs> what was that like? What was what was that? What was that process like? Oh, for it's you? funny, man. Because now you know, in my role with the Bomberos and and just the years, you know, that I've been doing this, I can look back and I say, man, you sound like an idiot going in that interview, <laughs> that first interview. I had no clue. So did you make it? So you took your first test? Did I you get all the way to test. an interview? Yeah, I okay. took my first test and. And took the CPAT. Remember, the city at the time was doing the CPATs. Oh, yeah. It was part of yeah. the process, going yep. down to the Civic Plaza in the basement. And, you know, so I was, you know, working with the, my buddies who were doing it. We were working out and figuring out what you had to do. And I was like, man. So I got through that. And, yeah, the first year I tested, I um, made it all the way to a first-round interview. And they nice. were just like, man, we'll see you next year. I had, didn't have a clue. Didn't know, you know. I wasn't involved in a mentorship with the Bombados or anything at that right. time. Yeah, did you um, even know it was a thing? Probably not. I was. It was all kind of mixed in together. It was starting to, because you know, once you start to get that idea, and you start making some relationships, and you start yes. hearing about cadets, and you start hearing about, you know, Bombero, some of the affinity groups and things. You know, PC. I went to EMT at Phoenix College and got that done, and, and then you start hearing about, you know, avenues and stuff that you could take to start making you successful. So right. it was all around mixed in that same time. Right. You know, but the first time I tested, I didn't have a clue. I didn't know what I was doing. So went to my first interview and didn't make it past that. So, and I tested for five years. It took me five years to get on the job. How many tests were in that period of time? I think four. I think about four tests. I think there was one year, it was like a two-year list or something like that. So I made it. I made it to the interviews. First one, I went to a first round. The second time I tested, I made it to a second, and then I like three more times. Yeah. It took. I, I think people need to hear that more often because you think, well, hey, I want to be a firefighter. I'm going to go get that job. And it's, yeah, while you hear people talk about, well, there's a shortage and we need firefighters and whatever, but it's still very competitive. And, oh, you, you know, yeah. as much as we need people and whatever. Super um, competitive. Mm-hmm. I remember standing in line at the Civic Plaza, 5,000 people in that room. Yeah. Line wrapped around the building, you know. And I'm like thinking to myself, what the hell? How is this even possible? Yeah. Right. You know, how how am I going to do this? Mm -hmm. You know, looking back too, never thought I could even do this job Mm. and then start getting this process in such a big process. You know, when you see 5,000 people in this room, you're like, how the hell am I going to get hired? How do I stand out? Yeah. Well, so let me ask you then, what changed from interview number one to your successful interview? Um, I got tied in with some really, really good people, you know, um, that was the key. Cause you that's know, where I got in. you know what people say. It, it's, it's, it's who, you know, right. Or you got to have somebody on the inside yeah. who pulls you through. Yeah. Well, I didn't have anybody, you know, I had no family on the job. Right. Um, like I said, fire department was not even a thought, but it, it wasn't until I really got introduced to some, some good people. And, um, I, uh. My first interaction with somebody with the fire department, my sister-in-law worked with a lady, and she was married to Ernie Sevilla's, Ernie mm-hmm. Sevilla's wife. Mm-hmm. And he worked at, remember Ernie, he worked mm-hmm. at 22 yep. for years. So somehow we got hooked up. And he said, yeah, come see me at 22. So I went to knocking on the door at 22, and Ernie was old school. He was on the job forever, you know. So what do they do? Just like we do probably now, send you to the rescue guys, you know, the young guys. So I, I think I sat with Steve Maldonado. And uh, he just kind of broke me down on the process and what you needed to do. And it was a good visit. But um, shortly after that, um, I think I went to one of my first Bombero meetings. Somebody said, hey, there's a group out there called Bombeiros. They got a mentorship program. And they used to have their meetings downtown uh, on the south side on Central and like Tamarisk at the South Mountain Community Center. Mm-hmm. 
went to one of those meetings and that room was packed, you know, kind of intimidating, you know, and then some of the leadership at that time were a little intimidating too, you know. <laughs> so I was like, man, I don't know about this, you know, but <laughs> there's like, this is the place to be, you know, and, and it was good. And what I saw too, when I walked in there, that leadership, and I think this is really key and really important is they look like me, mm. you know mm. what I mean? Um, they were all Chicanos. They are all Mexicanos, the board for the Bomberos, you know. And and that was part of their message, too, is, you know, we're, we're trying to help our people get on this job yeah. and show you what you need to do. So that resonated with me is because I didn't know what to do. I didn't think that I could do this job, you know what I mean? And when you see people that are running this program that are firefighters and, you know, captain was the president at the time, or Ray Martinez and, you know, I think there's there's something about when you see somebody that that looks like you, that grew up in the neighborhood like you, and and now they are successful right. in this in this place where you're like, well, I think I want to go there, and you're like, well, no, that actually shows me it's possible. Oh, yeah. Like there's a dude who did this, he came right from the same place I came from, so it's possible. It's a real thing. Exactly. I think that's an important. Uh, that's really important for everybody. Oh yeah, right. it's huge for me. Yeah. So I, I ran into a, uh, I saw, I was at the mall one day and I saw one of the guys that I recognized that was at one of the meetings mm -hmm. and um, started talking to him. I uh, said, yeah, come down see me at the station. So I went to station five, I think one day and talked to him and kind of asked me about myself and where I was from and kind of gave him my story. And he said, you know what? He goes, I'm going to send you to see somebody. I think you'll uh, relate to this person. You know what I mean? Like it'll be good for you. So yeah. Sent me to 44 to go see Jorge. <laughs> you know, first time that was I ever met him. And, you know, I think he was the engineer at the time over there. Mm -hmm. And we just hit it off. You know what I mean? Because Jorge kind of grew up like me once we started. Because he sat me down and sized me up. And, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Where are you from, man? And, you know, we right. started talking. And, and it's funny because, like I said, Jorge grew up like me. I was a West Sider. Jorge was a South Sider. And it's funny because the neighborhood that he grew up in and the neighborhood that I grew up in, it was no some contention. Oh yeah, <laughs> from from way back in you know for years and years you mm -hmm. know when the two neighborhoods you know, and I went to Carl Hayden those those guys from the South Side we all went there so long history of neighborhoods that didn't get along and it was like oh you're from there and it was like. Guys would fight, you know what I mean, and, mm -hmm. <laughs> or worse, you know what I mean. Yeah. And so, but he was he was cool, you know. We just kind of got my story, and you know, and invited me back, and I started working with him, and you know, he started mentoring me, and we're best of friends today, you know. And uh, so it was there, and then I also got sent to twenty four, and at the time, uh, Danny. And Sammy and everybody was, you know, Danny was skipping and Sammy Chavita was in the back and yeah. Teddy Jam was driving and, you know. Did Sammy take a special interest in you and your shared uh, <laughs> occupations? Well, you know, we did because Sammy used to work for the city before he got yeah, on. Didn't with, he work sanitation? Yeah. Um, I seem to remember I that. I don't, know, I don't know why I remember that. Oh, but, okay. I, I had him pegged as a, as a sanitation guy. <laughs> yeah. He all, so so I, would, I worked down the street from 24, off, I guess it was called Glen Rosa Yard. So when I got off of my route driving the garbage truck, I would co go straight to the station. So I'm showing up in a city uniform, you know what I mean, and yeah. riding and spending yeah. time. And again, I, I showed up to that station, and the, the majority of the station, just especially Engine 24 at the time, they were like me. They looked like me. They talked like me. They were from my neighborhoods, you know what I mean? And yeah. I just felt at home with these guys. And I think they took a liking to me and, you know, kind of took me under their wing too, so... I got tied in with Jorge down at Station 44, which is in the heart of Maryville. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mm -hmm. got tied in with Station 24, which is a station which, right where I grew up, right in the middle of my neighborhood. Um, now you can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Now I realize it was there. <laughs> oh, this is this is what it looks like, you know? And then- um, I always wondered what this building yeah. was. <laughs> and then I, I, was, I was working garbage, right? I was driving a garbage truck and I had a friend in garbage and he found out that I was testing for the fire department. He goes, hey, I got a good buddy that works for the fire department. I'll send you to go see him. And he sent me to go see Rich Gal. Mm. 
So I went to 18 to go see Rich. And it's funny, too, because uh, Rich is from my neighborhood. You know, he's he's older than me. Obviously, he's retired now and stuff. But we hit it off because he's like, oh, you're from, you know, from the neighborhood. And so we clicked. And so that was that was my – those were my people, you know. Yeah. 44 with Jorge, 24 with Danny and Sammy, and then Richard, you know. And they kind of – they took me. And all those guys were tied in with the Bomberos. The the leadership of the organization for the Bomberos was – Danny was the president at the time. Um, Sammy was on the executive board, mm. you know. So that, then I really got tied into the Bomberos and started, you know, understanding what the mentorship program was about. So not only with those guys and then volunteering and getting into that, you know, they kind of set me straight. So, so as a candidate, right, what were some of the things that you were doing with the Bomberos? <sighs> Everything, you know, and it's, it was tough because I was married, you know, I got hired when I was 30. So started testing when I was 25, married, had kids, had a mortgage, working full time for the city. And then to learn everything that it takes to get onto the to the job is almost like having another full time job. So riding and testing and volunteering and you know, and the Bombeiros have always been active in the community, so there was mm-hmm. always something going on. Yeah. Water walks, smoke detector walks, you know. And I was doing everything that I could as best as I could to be at everything and you know and, and be involved and get that exposure, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And meet firefighters and be out in the community and and volunteer and ride at the stations, you know, that's that old toolbox they talk about, right? Right. So you start dumping all this stuff into your toolbox. So when it came down to sit down and interview, start pulling out and talking about it. But that was my struggle. I didn't know how to talk about myself. I didn't know how to interview. You know what I mean? It was hard. I tested for five years because I didn't know how to talk, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, Nobody wants to talk about themselves, right? right? That's a very hard thing to do. And you go into this interview and they're like, all right, what have you done to prepare? Yeah. Right? You're like, what do you mean? <laughs> what would you like me to tell you yeah. about, right? And and being able to talk about what you bring to the table is a really difficult thing to do. Oh, yeah. So so the Bomberos was uh, – what specifically did you do to work on that, though? Because that's a, that's a skill that you build. So – it's funny, man, because so when I would go to 44 with Jorge, um, part of his deal and how he mentored and, you know me was every time I went to the station, I knew I had to answer an interview question. <laughs> One. And they'd sit me down at the table and they'd like a board, you know, mm-hmm. say, all right, what have you done to prepare? Or why do you want to be a firefighter, Phoenix firefighter, you know? And so I used to, man, I used to sweat going over there. Yeah, because Jorge was no bullshit. You know, it was like still isn't. No, (laughs) he would sit there, and I knew it would stress me out because I'd be at home working on my stuff. You know, getting ready because I knew when I went to the station, I had to answer an interview question before I left. Yeah, we'd ride, and you know, I'd help out with the booters and do all that kind of stuff. But at some point before I left, I had to sit down and answer a question. And there was a lot of times, man, where you know I'd be rattling off stuff, and Jorge would say, "Hold up, hold up, wait, wait, wait." (laughs) That sounds like uh, shit, man. You know, what have you been doing? Yeah, you know, did you he would even check, think about this before you came here? <laughs> he would check me at the door. Waste my you know? time. <laughs> go home, man. You know, go work on that. It's not uh, what we talked that's about. So you know, funny. It humbled me, like break me down. But I needed that. Really, I looking back, yes. I needed that because yeah. I think I learned well that way. Is yeah. he would check me at the door if I was coming with some nonsense and yeah. be like, nah, we're not doing that. You know, go yeah. home. And the other part of that too was was Richard. And so Richard lived on the west side, mm-hmm. and Richard actually w- invited me to his house because he was mentoring a couple other guys too. So Richard, you know Richard. Richard, could did talk. he make you hit mitts before you start no, talking? No, no. <laughs> but we would, sometimes we would work out. Sure, you know, we'd work out, and then uh, we'd do some interview stuff. And yeah. you know Richard could talk. Yeah. And Richard's deal. Richard was different from Hardy because he would tell me. He would ask me. We'd sit here and have a conversation like this. Tell me about yourself and where you came from, what you do with the city and all that stuff. And then he'd say, okay, here's a question. Like, what have you done to prepare? And he would answer the question for me. With your stuff? Yeah, like me. (laughs) And I'd sit there and be like, damn, why can't I say that? You know? Mm, Yeah. That's what he'd tell me. That's what you need to say. Yeah. That's how you need to sound. These. That's how you plug your your stuff into the the fire department and what you're bringing to the table, like you right, said, right? And so I learned a lot from Richard, man, because he would break me down too in a different way, 
you know, so between the two, they finally got me dialed in to where I could sit in front of a board and sound <laughs> decent. You At know, least represent different. yourself. Yeah, it was hard. It was really hard. Yeah. The whole process, you know, was was hard, but I always I always scored well on the written. I always passed my physical stuff, you know, but it was sitting at the table in front of strangers talking about who you are, yeah. where you're from, what you've done, and how it relates to what you're bringing to the Phoenix Fire Department and what they're looking for, you know. Yeah. So yeah. they they died over the years they died it took five years. Yeah. Wow. I've heard, I mean I've heard story of guys, you know, taking eight to ten years and finally getting on the job yeah. or finally giving up or whatever. But yeah. it's it's you know, it's so important that we talk about I'll go back to something I said earlier, which was people have this belief that you have to know somebody. Right. And it's not be I think they think that for the wrong reasons. They think you gotta have an inside guy to pull you in, pull to right. the organization. But it's it's not that. It's it's having a relationship with someone who can pull the stuff out of you right. to help you be more successful in the, in the process, yeah. right? Help you understand the nuances of how you navigate the system, right? What are the things that you say in an interview that makes sense and will, will help you through the process, will help you represent yourself to the organization in a way that's meaningful, right? as opposed to just going in there and you know, wasting everyone's time. Yeah. And it's tough. You know what I mean? And and it takes somebody like that to bring, you know, we're looking and I, we do it today, even now, like I'm looking for the real you. Mm-hmm. What are you bringing to the table? When I sit with new guys and talk mm-hmm. with them and, you know, our guys that are in our mentorship and I want to hear that. I remember how they brought it out of me, but I want to hear that out of them. Mm-hmm. You know, your realness, you know, we're like you said earlier, we're, we got a good bullshit meter. I don't want, don't sit there and BS me. Like I want to hear about you. And what you're bringing to the table, and how you are going to make this department and this organization better, yeah. and relate with us, because I'm living with you for the next, right? You know, twenty five years, thirty years, you know, right? That kind of deal. So yeah. those guys were able to bring that out in me, and it's it's important, man, because you know, I think it's important for looking back on a on a guy like me. I mean, I was thirty when I got here; I wasn't a kid, but I relate it now to some of these young guys that are coming on, especially. Especially when I see kids that, again, come from where I come from yeah. and maybe had that same mentality or still have that mentality that they never thought they could do this. Yeah. You don't know what you can do in life until you actually have – that's why mentorship is so important. Yeah. I, mean, I believe in it, really. Yeah. Until you have somebody that can bring that out in you and sit there and look at you and explain to you, like, you can do this job. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you're from or, you know struggles and stuff that you had in your past how how are you doing what have you done to make you successful up to this point yeah within your own life or within your own family and how are you going to bring that to our family you know what i mean yeah and and you can go and do things that you never thought that you could do that's how i am yeah i i never thought i'd be on a fire truck when i was younger fighting fire driving a fire truck you know a captain now, you know what I mean? Hanging off the side of the building, TRT, in a, you know, full class A hazmat suit, you know what I mean? Things that I've done in this career, and I look back to those people that mentored me and took me under their wing and showed me that, they changed my life, man. Yeah. They did. What's that? That, that it, brings something up for you. It does, man, because they took me somewhere that, again, like, I never thought I'd be doing this stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and within that whole mix, you know what I mean, I knew, I always took care of my family. I always loved my family and wanted to provide for them. But, man, they, this job has changed my life, you know what I mean? And, and, again, allowed me to do things and see things and and go places that I never, growing up in yeah. my neighborhood, thought that, that I would do, you know? So yeah. I, I've always been involved with the Bomberos. I've always been involved with this organization because I always, first of all, I told them that I was going to get back and want to be a man of my word, you know, but actually I believe in what we do. I believe in, in mentoring this next generation, you know, and, and bringing these kids up and giving them the same opportunities that I had, you know, it's been 17 years. I got 17 years on the job now and, you know, 25 going on 26 years with the city, you know, it's been a good ride. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And I, I, I can't help but think, you know, you go right back to Mr. Pete. 
And, and what he took a moment, whatever, a very small amount of his time to say, hey, man, the work that you're doing, that's good work. And that made a difference, right. right? Just stopping to point out to somebody, hey, this is the right, you're doing the right stuff right here. And because of that, I'm going to kick this door open and I'll, and push you through it. And that, I think it's important as leaders, whatever level in an organization that you're at, if you are, well, you, we all have the capacity to lead from wherever we are. And um, particularly when you have a position of authority and you have to be a leader, it's important to look at the people that you're surrounded by and encourage them. By pointing out when they're doing the right thing and rewarding that behavior with a little bit of attention, with a green sheet, with right. opportunities and say, hey, you know, the, you know, I, I have a, a good friend who said, you know what the, the reward for good work is? More work, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And, and But the beauty of that is, is like when someone says, hey, man, oh, you're doing good stuff. Hey, can you take that same capacity and apply it over here? Well, yeah, yes, I can. And that's an opportunity, right? We always joke about, oh, it's more work, but really it's another, it's another door. It's another opportunity. And that's huge. And, you know, you talk about all these different paths that you've been down that were escalating up and which is amazing. And then, you know, all the way up to being, you know, uh, you know, TRT has material, like that's the pen you get to do it all. Yeah. And, and this is, I'm going to take it home. Ultimately, the beauty of this is, uh, you know, and I go back to what your your folks in your community were saying, which is, man, you get a city job. Well, part of that is you get to have a city job, which has a pension and cool benefits. It's stable, right? right? I get that. But it's also serving us, right? The community that we live in. Right. And I've always felt like, you know, there is no higher honor uh, than what we get to do uh, to to take the trust that is imbued upon us by the community, and then go out and and serve in our community. Oh yeah, that's the best. It's the best. You know, you know, and to do it, you know, as a firefighter, you know, now as a captain on the job, you know, this is my career, and th- I love it. You know, what I mean, just what you're talking about. The other side of that is is the organization. You know, it's just embedded in us as firefighters to go out in our community, right? 24-7, we're those firefighters, 24-7. And part of our culture is to give back to our communities on and off duty. Mm. And so the organization, the Bomberos, is, you know, is, is always giving me that opportunity to do more. Mm. You know, and it's something that I'm passionate about. You know, I, I like it. Yeah. I, what, I, what are some things that the Bomberos are doing these days you guys up to? So we man, we do a lot. You What's know? your role in the Bomberos right now? I'm the vice president. Okay. Yeah. So, um Sorry, Mr. President, Mr. No, Vice no, President, Mr. Vice President. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, I've always been involved, but I think not too long after I got on, I know I was offered a spot in community involvement. I was the community involvement director for pretty much my whole career up until about a year ago. I took up the role of the vice president spot, and I, it fit, you know, because I liked setting up things. I liked doing things out in the community, you know. Um, so I always had that opportunity to do it as a community involvement director. But, you know, for those out there in this world that don't know what this organization is, can we talk yeah, about Yeah, yeah, yeah. What exactly so is So Los Bomberos, the Valley Hispanic Bomberos, it's a nonprofit organization that was started back in 1986, you know, from firefighters on the job that were asked to go out and help uh, in the community, the downtown area. There was like a rash of fires that were going on that they thought was an arson. And so... You know, the downtown area was a lot of minorities, Spanish speakers. So the firefighters went out to the neighborhood and hit the streets. And what they really found was there was a lack of education. You know, uh, there was people using bad wires and, you know, candles. And so they decided to keep hitting the neighborhoods and educating. And so that's kind of where the organization started. And then from that grew the mentorship program. Why don't we help our people? Why don't we help you know, this next generation of firefighters show them that way. So the mentorship was brought into it. So that as an organization, Los Bomberos, our bread and butter is uh, mentorship and community involvement. That's mm-hmm. what we're really about, you know. And so we've been going strong. I, I was a product of the mentorship program, right? Mm-hmm. They took me in. They showed me everything that I needed to do to, to be successful in this process. And at the same time was out there in the streets and the neighborhoods well, volunteering and doing all the water safety walks and all that kind of stuff, which was good for our neighbors because, 
again, we focused on the neighborhoods that most of us grew up in and mm. came from, you know, in Maryville and South Phoenix and Central and the East Side, and, you know. And so that, that resonated with me too, you know. We're giving back to the to the communities that we come from. So, again, I always said I was going to give back, and I've, I've tried to live that and, and live up to that uh, promise that I made, you know, because, because of that reason. This organization helped me get to where I'm at today, you know. And so now as a vice president, you know, we're, we're still active. We're, we do a lot out in the community. Um, we have a pickleball tournament that we created, you know, and that money goes directly to our scholarship program. We give um, scholarships to kids from like Franklin High School, which is downtown Phoenix, I right. mean, central Phoenix. And all those kids come from the neighborhood from around there, right? We give scholarships to some of those kids. Um, we do, uh, we just did a, that car, car show that we did. We raised all that money. We're giving it to the Tolleson Elementary School District to their autism program. You know, we still do all of the smoke detector walks and water safety walks. And we have relationships that we've built through the years with the community centers and organizations in the neighborhoods where we go help them with their health fairs and their toy drives and, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and, you know, so any opportunity that we can to get back out in the community and, and give back. And as a nonprofit, it's good because we're a little different because we're kind of a grassroots, small nonprofit. You know, we got a strong organization that's been around since 86, but our executive board, nobody gets paid. Right. You know, there's a hundred percent of our money that we have for this organization goes back out into the community in one shape or form. You know? That's awesome. And so now we're working full time as firefighters. We're family men. We, you know, we're working overtime. We're doing whatever we need in our own lives, but we also give back to this organization and keep it going and running. And it's on our own time. You know, a lot of time it's on our own dime, you know, to, to put together and take the time to do what we need to do. Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you, man, that the impact that you guys have, you know, I, I can't measure the impact you've had in the community. Um, but what I will tell you is I, I know hundreds of firefighters who have come through, have been touched by the Bombero organization in one way, shape or form. And that has shaped their opportunity in this organization and, and, and influenced their ability to get on the job and, and change lives. Um, because, well, let's just say it like it is. Becoming a firefighter is a life-changing event. And for somebody out of the community who's never, who didn't know that was a thing and, you know, they see a guy and they go, Hey, that guy looks like me. You know, he's like my, that looks like my uncle, you know, whatever, like yeah. that could be me. And then suddenly they go, wait a minute. I didn't know that this was an opportunity. Right. And so, and then getting connected and being able to get mentored and, and told like, Hey bro, you can do this. Mm. And here's what this looks like. Here's the path. And you right. illuminate the path and you go right, just right this way, bro. And start, you know, and you, and you give them kind of the hard truth about how to do this. Mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty cool, man. It's, it's a really amazing legacy. I, w I always tell this story, and it was of, like at Franklin, I was asked to speak like, one mm -hmm. of the scholarships that we gave. And I like to tell this story. I had a captain that I worked for, an old captain down at 22, the latter captain. And uh, there's an old, and I'm sure it's still around. Actually, I just saw it the other day at one of the stations. It's an old plaque. Remember, it was a diversity um picture that the department put on and it had pictures of a, it was a hispanic firefighter a hispanic woman an african-american woman an asian uh, man you know it was all and it was a diversity promotion that the department had put on together yeah and so the captain uh you know ted you remember ted oh yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. I, he's the one that told me that story he's they asked him to be on that poster and at first he goes, nah, I don't want, because he's an old school guy, right? I don't want to be on no, take no picture and this and that. <laughs> and he said that, you know what? He he changed his mind and he decided to do it. And the reason that he did it, because he grew up in South Phoenix and he remembers being young and he always kind of had that feeling like he wanted to be a firefighter because he would see them come into the neighborhood, see them at the stores. And he said that never thought he could do it because when those guys jumped off of that truck, nobody on that truck looked like him. So he grew up thinking there was no chance that he would be able to be a firefighter. And it wasn't until he had a mentor come into his life and pull him aside and said, yeah, you can do this job. Right. It doesn't matter if you come from the South Side or, you know, you, your neighborhood or what you look like. You know, if you work hard, you put in the work, you, you can achieve this job. 
And so he said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And he, he's on that poster, and he decided to do it so that he could show people that diversity is important. You yeah. know, and we preach diversity in this organization. It's right. important. Yeah. It's important to us. Absolutely. You know, and I believe in that strongly. And, and, it, and that was what was important to him. He decided to do it because he wanted to be a part of that and show people because somebody did that for him. And yeah. I want people to see that, yeah, you can look at this poster. It doesn't matter what you look like. You, you can do this job. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I always like to tell that story. And it resonates with me. And it resonates with our organization, you know, especially when we go back into these communities that we come from and we talk to these kids that, in the inner city and, yeah. you know, and they sit there and they look at us and you tell, you, you give them that message. You, you may touch one of those kids and, and, and plant that seed. Right. Yeah. And then they do the work and, and they yeah. get involved and they, we tell them about the bomberos and this is what you, we kind of pull them in and say, yeah, this is our mentorship program. You want to do it. This is everything you need to do. There's steps. Yeah. There's, there's got, there's a, that pathway that you talked about. Right. But sometimes you got to pull these kids yeah, because they don't, they're, they were like me. They don't think that they can do it. They have no clue what to yeah. do. They think their, their path is, you know, something different, something, maybe I'm something a social media influencer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start a t-shirt company. You know what I mean? Like that, you know, no, I'm going to have a TikTok account. No, you can't. <laughs> you need to work. You need to be, you know, come on, bro. TikToks yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. But you're not buying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is for some people, but uh, sure, for the majority sure. of us, you know what I mean? We're not going to make it that way, right? We got to put our boots on and we need to get to work, right, you know, right. get dirty and, you know, so, yeah. you know, those. Well, let me ask you this. How has your perspective evolved uh, now that you're a captain? What's changed for you now that you're a made man? Uh, that's a good question. It, it's been a journey, you know. I spent 12 years as a firefighter in the back of Engine 39, you know. I can't think of a better place. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> and it was, you know, right in the right in the middle of South Phoenix, and you know, we you were there. Uh huh. You know, yeah. We got our butts kicked, man. Yeah. Um, and there was a time where I thought, man, I'm just gonna be a firefighter. That's all I want to do. I love it. I love being on the knob. I love fighting fire. You know, I don't know responsibility other than to pull that line and get in there and get it on. You know, um, I. I I had my CD. I still have my CD the other day. So I knew in the back of my mind at one point I was going to drive. You know, mm-hmm. my thinking at the time was when I get a little older on the job, I'll probably be an engineer. Break right? down. So I broke down a little yeah. bit. <laughs> so I know how to wheel. I know how to wheel this thing. You know, so um, I knew that was in my path. So then, I was fortunate, man. I look back on my career and and you know I spent all that time. I ended up back with Jorge, mm-hmm. my mentor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I uh, was fortunate enough to get on his truck and we worked together for years and. Uh, we had a good, solid crew there, man. I look back on all those years, and it was within those years, there was probably only five of us, you know, maybe six that changed hands. You know, we were always together. And that little house over there on the south side was just one engine, four of us, you know. So it was fun. Even though we were getting our butts kicked, we had a blast. We had fun. It was, you know. And I learned a lot because he continued mm-hmm. to mentor me. He continued mm-hmm. to show me what it was to be uh, a leader on this job and take care of your people. That's the biggest thing is um, take care of the people that that are with you, you know what I mean, in this organization. You know, so as a captain now, I take everything that I learned from, from him and from the people that I worked with and, and just that, that camaraderie, that family really is a family, you know. And now I, ha- now I use it. Right. And now that I have my own spot, I'm on engine 34 now. And, you know, I want to see my guys, you know, be successful, whether they decide to promote or whether they just are good at their job. And we go out and we take care of the customer and we represent as as our crew. We represent this organization, you know, treat people right, do a good job. You know what I mean? And so. Now I know I look, it's my responsibility to do that, right? Yeah. And and I got some young guys at my station. I got some you know, on the rescue and, you know, on, on my truck. And I try to instill in them that that philosophy that was taught to me. And, hey, man, we're going to come to work. We're going to have a good time. You know, we're going to work out. We're going to watch a movie. You know what I mean? And we're going to go out and we're going to treat people right. And when, it, when it's time to get it on, when it's time to get out there, we're going to do a good job. And we're going to represent. You know, and that's important. 
Yeah. Take some pride in what we do, you know? Yeah. Is there anything that keeps you up at night? Other than the four or five calls after midnight? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, you know, that when your role as a captain, you know, you got in the back of your head, like, I'm responsible for these people. Yeah. You know, I'm responsible. And again, I, I just have to look back on the way I was taught, like, that responsibility is is deep. Not only am I responsible for these men that are on my truck, they have families, you know, and they have kids, you know. So doing the right thing, you know, being good at our job, making sure that we train is it, going to ultimately affect, you know, how we operate in the field and on the fire ground and, and, and being safe. Because the last thing, and I remember my mentors telling me that, I don't want to have to sit down and explain to your wife or your kids what went wrong or what happened. Right. Why I'm standing here and your husband's not, you know, yeah. that, that always resonated with me. And so I take that to heart too. I don't want to be in that position. I don't want to lose anybody because honestly, if something bad goes down, I'm going to go down with you. You know, I'm going to stay in there. I'm going to do everything I can. And if it means, that we both don't come out. It's just something that I understand that that's my responsibility is. Get you out or die trying. Yeah. I don't want to have that conversation, you know? Yeah. But on the front end, we're going to do everything. So we're not in that situation. Right. So right. We're, we play safe. We, we train hard. We play safe. We operate safe. We do the right thing. So, you know, we've always said, I've heard this since I got on the job, the goal is to go home at the end of the shift. Right. You know, so you can go home and spend time with your family, spend 25, 30 years on this job and enjoy your retirement, you know. So I looked at, I, I just operate that way. Yeah. Because that's what I was taught. Yeah. You know, you got good people and they teach you the right way. You just continue on this legacy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a way of giving back and, and honoring those people that put so much time and effort into you. You know, you don't change. You know, you don't flip the script well, it's just because you got a position or, you know, I still operate the same way that I operated at 39. You know, it's a little bit different now that I'm in a leadership role, but I just look at how my leadership, the leaders in my life operated and took care of me. And I just do the same thing, you know, I try to teach these guys. So hopefully one day when I leave, when those guys are in that position, they do the same thing because my boy's on the job now. You know, I want him to be with somebody that's going to pull him under his wing and show him and teach him the same things. You know, everything that I try to do for him. But, you know, as a dad, sometimes kids listen to you, right? You could say one thing, but let the other person tell them the same thing. And they, oh, right. yeah. You know, yeah, you know what Rain said. And you're like, what? I just got done telling you the same thing, you know? But you could. Uh, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So um, there's somebody out there right now who's going to want to want to find their way to the bomb barrels. So how do they do that? What is their website, phone number, oh, yeah. email? Yeah. So we're online. Uh www is there a tiktok account not a tiktok <laughs> not <a> tiktok <laughs> okay sorry i just but, <laughs> I couldn't help myself yeah we haven't got there yet okay it's a maybe, web address maybe you're one gonna of these say. young guys might start that but not yet <laughs> but yeah there's a website is www.vhbombettles.org that's our um that's our um what do you call it web address web website address. yeah that's our website can't even think of that we're so uh, old. we're on uh <laughs> we're on social media uh, Facebook and Instagram mm-hmm. at VH Bombettles. You can find us. Um, I'll link all this stuff, by the way, in the show oh, notes. Yeah, in yeah. the show notes. I'm high speed like that. <laughs> yeah, so you can you can find us, and you know we try to, especially with our like our Instagram and stuff. We try to update and show people what we do, and you know, and you can email us at VH. What is our email address? VH. Boom, but I have to look at it, man. I'm sorry. I should have right. came. Send it to me there. later. I'll put it in there. Yeah, but we have an email address. So, so with our social media and our and our um, our email address, anybody can reach out. You know, what I mean, to see what we do. We do workouts the first and third Mondays of the month at Franklin. We've we've got a good relationship and a and a partnership that we develop with Phoenix Union High School District. Uh, you know, we had to go through a whole process to get that relationship. I mean, it's solidified, stamped. <laughs> approval insured you know what i mean so that we yeah. we got a partnership with them 
created an MOU with them uh, to use that facility, and they're great. You know, I mean, and it's right there in the middle of the city, kind of our hub where we do our workouts, and we use those workouts for not only our workouts but some of our meetings. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, anybody can get involved if you if you're interested in joining them. And I get and and I get this all the time. People will either reach out or call and say, hey, I have a son or a daughter or just somebody that says, you know, I'm thinking about becoming a firefighter. What do I need to do? Yeah. You know, and I just, the best advice I can give them is you got to get involved with the mentorship program. You know, and you know, the affinity groups, there's more that they're just, just like the Bomberos on all these organizations, these affinity groups out here in the Valley. That's what our goal is to bring up the next generation of firefighters and, and mentor them. And we want good people on this job. You know, Amen. don't matter where you come from, don't matter what you look like. If you're willing to come in and put the work and do everything that you need to do, be successful, we're going to give you that path and shine that light on and tell you this is what you need to do. And if you follow through, man, you can have this job. You can do this job and have a good, successful career and do things that you never thought you could do. Mm. So I was going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a few rapid fire questions. Um, and I was going to ask you, what would you say to 18 year old GMO? But I think you just said it, but, but let me ask you anyways. What would you tell that kid? I'd probably smack him first. You know what I mean? In the back of the head and say, man, be a man. Like, let's get to work. There's there's things that you can do. You, you, you don't know your potential, mm. you know, until you put the work in. So, are you ready to do some work? Let me show you. So, what's the worst piece of advice you've ever heard given? <sighs> play the game just play the game just just do the you know just get through that just do the bare minimum and after that you're you're good mm. like all you have to do is this you know what i mean and then you're on the job and you can just slide and you know that just play i hate that word mm. i hate that phrase man just play the game this ain't a game to us this is our livelihood right this is our profession this is something that we expect everybody to take pride in you know whether you got five years on the job, fifteen or twenty, there's no there's no playing the game. That that work ethic should only get stronger as you go through this career, and you know part of that is working hard and being that example, and you know teaching others. There's no sliding in here and just kind of kicking back and you know. So, so so I'm gonna flip a script on you. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? the best piece of advice yeah i don't know it's a hard <laughs> that's question. a tough one man mm-hmm. you know i've got a lot of good advice over the years you know from from my mentors and people on this job and best piece of advice is just you know do what you said you were going to do you know, it's kind of that, you know, nobody ever, I heard it after I got on the job and stuff like that, live your interview, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, do what you said you were going to do. I think there's honor in that, you know, be, in, in being a man and, you know, and having respect for yourself and respect for, for others is don't BS. If you said you were going to come on this job and you said you were going to do this and you were going to take pride in yourself and take pride in this job and you were going to take care of people and you were going to be professional and, you know, treat people, all that kind of stuff. You know, do what you said you were going to do, right? You sat in front of a group of people to get here and you were going to do all this. It shouldn't change just because you offer probation, hmm. just because you got five, 10 years on your job, on the job, you know, do what you said you were going to do in your interview. Yeah. I love it. So the title of this podcast is the Fireground Fitness Podcast. So what does it mean to you to be Fireground Fit? <sighs> Fireground Fit. That's that comes up a lot, you know, especially in our mentorship program. You know, when we explain to people be Fireground Fit, you know, and that's to me is you know, obviously the fitness aspect of it, but I think it's just being that well-rounded person, that total wellness that we teach our people, right? And I had never heard that before I got on the job, total wellness, but it's important, right? Have your have your stuff lined up mentally, physically. 
have people behind you that you can lean on, whether it's your mentors or your family. Because this is, you know, I don't have to tell you, this is, this is a tough job. You're going to see things that the average person doesn't see, mm-hmm. but you're also going to do things that the average person doesn't get a chance to do, you know. So Fireground Fit to me is take care of yourself mentally, right? Do the right things, you know, have that support system. Take care of yourself physically. Work out. Try to eat right. It's hard sometimes, you know. <laughs> but and then as you get older, you gotta adapt, you gotta change, you know what I mean? Your workouts, your you know, everything that you do. But that total wellness aspect of it is important because again, the goal is to have a successful career, you know. When you take care of yourself, I tell people all this time, when you take care of yourself, we're hiring you to be on this truck every third day. You know, we need you. We need you to be out there, not only for the citizens, but for each other. You know, on this truck, I want you to be there with me when something, when it's time to go, when the lights come on and it's, you know. So take care of yourself so that you can look back on your career and say, man, I did my part. And I, I gave it everything that I had. And I worked and I earned my retirement. I earned an opportunity to look back and I had a good successful long career I had fun I built relationships you know I earned a new family did things that I never thought I would do in my life you know I mean when you walk away I think that's important when you retire is to look back and be able to tell yourself that and take pride in that you know wow that's awesome Gmo my brother thank you for spending some time with me man and having this conversation man I bet I listen to your podcast, and I'm like, I hope Rain calls me one day. I want to talk to him, man. I want to sit down. <laughs> so when we talked, man, we hit it up. I was like, I've really been looking forward to sitting down, man, because I, I appreciate what you do and so people can hear from from us, right, what this job is about, what we do, and what we believe in. It's important, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Right on, man. Hey, folks, that's all we have today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, Greg, for sharing some of your time and your talents with us. And if you are enjoying this podcast, get on over to Apple Podcasts, rate and review the podcast. Also, get over to whatever platform you enjoy and down, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And this will download in the middle of the night uh, when you least expect it. And uh, more importantly, you know, take the lessons that you've learned here today find a way to to bring them into your life apply those lessons and go on out there kick some butt take some names and get some <laughs>